Malo. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with the string instrument and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Bless you, bless you. Y'all thought he could just sing. Isn't that awesome? God bless you, Reggie. God bless you. God bless you, T. God bless you, Christian. Thank you for your versatility. Yeah. Not just one way to praise the Lord. Multiple ways to praise the Lord. I also want to thank God this morning for Anthony and Greg. And for Theris back there. All the stress they've had this morning. Yeah. That's the workers behind the scenes making sure that we can come out and share this worship service with you today across all the platforms we've tried to utilize. We've been really consistent in the last year and a half on these four platforms, but it takes a lot of work to make it happen. You don't know that it takes a lot of work because they make it look easy, but it's not easy. It's not easy. <clears throat> they just work real hard at it. So please continue to pray for them. Pray for us too as we put some upgrades back there that'll keep us from having some of these issues. I guess because this has been my birthday week, I, uh, as I always do, I get in a reflective mood and thanking God thanking God for his wonder in my life, thanking God for how many blessings he's given me, how wonderful he's been, not just to me personally, but to those who are in my, my family and in my circle, friends, And it makes me reflect on how often <clears throat> I can kind of get in my feelings about various things. And I started a few years ago creating this list when I was 50 of my top 50 people and situations in my life that I think have been a blessing to me. So each year since then, I've been adding on to significant events because people come into your life in different seasons yeah people come into your life in different seasons and and someone you may not have known when you were 35 years old may have become a significant part of your life when you're 50. And i think sometimes we believe it's only those people we've known all our lives 
who have meaning for us. And while that's true, it's good to have those lifelong friends. I can tell you right now, when it comes to friends, those numbers are few, few. But God allows people to come into, into your life at different stages. And I'm so grateful for them. And so the, li the list is organic for me at a certain point. And, and I don't need to show you my list because it's my list. It's what I'm grateful for. It's who I'm grateful for. And I wouldn't want you to see the list because you might be offended that your name ain't on the list at that place. And, and then you'll turn my list into something that was never meant to be because it's for my praise. It's for my praise. It's not for your criticism or your critique. It's for me to say, thank you, Lord, for, for where you were, because I don't know that not many people around right now who were around on July 16th, 1964, when I was born. Not many people. Yeah, there's some in my family. I know my mama's not around anymore. She's the main one. Not many. But I'm so grateful for those who are still around. It just reminds me that no matter how I get to feeling sometimes, I'm not ever by myself. Anybody but me ever feel like sometimes you're alone? Yeah, like you just, you're just alone. You're just in this whole big old world, all these billions of people, and it seems like there's nobody but you. That is a discouraging feeling sometimes. And I'm, I'm, I'm hardened to see, this is sad, they say misery loves company, but I'm hardened to see that I'm not alone, that there are other people who deal with the notion of feeling by themselves. I've heard many a musician, Reg, brings out the pain of that feeling into their music. And it speaks to us in so many ways. And I found a song that speaks to that. Yeah, I found a song that speaks to that feeling. And it's in, it's in the Bible songbook. It's Psalm 22. It speaks to that feeling of aloneness. Psalm 22, you do know that, that, that that's simply a songbook. And it speaks to the feeling <clears throat> that David had when he was, I would say he was probably depressed and going through some things. And so to start another short sermon series today for you, I want to start looking at some new thoughts from the Old Testament. All right, some new thoughts from the Old Testament. And I want to start today in the song. Getting kind of getting us ready to come back into some fellowship together because I think this last period of time that we've been in this COVID posture has really isolated some people. I think they've felt even more alone than they normally would have simply because we've not had the social interaction. I found some people need church every week, they need the fellowship that comes with being around people, and 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 when that's not happening. It pushes them further back into their own, their own sometimes negative space. And so for that reason alone, I'm, I'm eager for us to get back to a place 
when we can have corporate worship. That's not to say you don't have your own individual worship at home, but there's some things you can't get online. Yeah, there's some emotions that can't be sated or satisfied online. There's some people who have to be around other people. And God made us, Anissa, to be around other people. We were never designed to be lone wolves. We have to be around other people. And so the psalmist in Psalm 22 wrote these words, and I'm just going to read the top portion of this psalm for you because it's a long one. It's 31 verses in it, and I wouldn't dare tax you with that this morning, but I, I challenge you to read it and see what kind of blessing can come out of it for you. But watch this. Psalmist said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? <laughs> Sound familiar? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and am not silent, but thou art holy, O thou, that inhabitest the praises of Israel. The psalm is not as famous as the first verse of it. Yeah, Psalm 22 is not as famous as a whole as the first line of the psalm, most of us are relatively familiar with maybe this psalm, but we're even more familiar with the first line. Yeah, because it was the words that flowed from the lips of Jesus when he was being crucified. And so now today, if you had not, if you did not know that, that that was not an original statement from Jesus. But Jesus, think about this, was being crucified and had, the, and had the lyrics to a song on his lips. Song he had learned while he was a young boy when he was learning about Judaic history. He had learned the 22nd song and he repeated it when he was in what was without question his darkest hour. My God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? But it's not, in fact, a song of Christ, as most would have said. It is, in fact, a song of David. And it comes from what David was feeling at that time. He was feeling abandoned and deserted and isolated and just alone. Felt that God had let him be all by himself. And I got a feeling that David's not the only one who felt like that. No, no. Other folk have felt the same way. Anybody in here ever felt like God led you into something and then he like stepped away? And you found yourself saying, Lord, I know I felt compelled and led to do this. And now I'm standing up here knee deep in it. And I feel like I'm by myself. Where are you in this, Lord? Help me to understand what's going on. I followed you, but now I'm in this mess and I feel like I'm distressed because you got me by myself. 
But if you really want to understand the passage of scripture that David wrote, you can't look at the statement from the Christological standpoint, what Christ was going through. You got to look at it from the Davidic standpoint what David was going through, because David is the one who felt the emotions initially. I know you want to look at this from the standpoint of somebody being crucified. Yeah, that is certainly an aspect of it, but that's not what David was going through. David was going through something completely different than the Lord was going through. To be sure, it's a cry for help to cry for some type of deliverance. And so that's why for just this morning, I want to talk about, and I want to remind you, and I'm encouraged to tell you today, somebody sitting there in the house, nobody physically is in the house with you. Nobody but your emotions sitting on the couch looking at you swinging their feet. But I came to tell you today, you're not alone. You, you, you are, you are not, you're not alone. And you got to understand that when David said this, why hast thou forsaken me? Clearly, clearly, watch this now. He's not talking about the absence of God. How can he be talking about the absence of God when he's talking to God? Walk with me on this now. God clearly is not absent because David is talking to him. He's not talking about God, why aren't you here with me? What he's saying is, when he said, God, you're forsaking me, then the spirit of the text, the depth of the text means, God, while you are here, you seem to be ignoring me. Not that you're not here, but you ain't paying attention to me, God, because you got to see what's going on in my life right now. And even though I keep calling on you, I'm not getting a response from you. You ever seen that before? Child and parent, child just calling, mama, 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 mama. And you've seen it before and, and you know in your mind, you say, mama, please answer that child. And even though you know from an audible standpoint, there's no way mama can't hear the child, but from the child's standpoint, the mama is ignoring. And that's how David felt that day. When he's writing this, he's saying, I know you hear me, Lord. There's nothing you can't hear and don't know. You know everything, but you're not responding to me. So, so, so. This is the complication we have, y'all, this morning when it comes to dealing with the spirit, which we're going to talk about today, and the flesh. Between what your spirit knows and what your flesh is telling you. David has equated activity with awareness, with acceptance, with even acquiescence. David is saying, he's saying, God, you're aware of this prayer, but you ain't doing nothing. You're not doing anything right now. So from David's standpoint, and maybe yours now, you have to answer this question. If God isn't showing anything, then he's not up to anything. Yeah, because that's how we do it. Yeah. Have you ever prayed and nothing appeared to be happening? You ever prayed for something to change and nothing appeared to be changing? 
from your flesh standpoint, you say God ain't hearing me. Because if God was hearing me, something would be changing right about now. And that's what is known as the theology of activity. Oh, yeah. The theology of activity, because when you talk about the flesh versus the spirit, the spirit goes on the basis of what I know. That's maturity. But the flesh is driven on the basis of what I feel and what I see. And that can mess us up because often we think, somebody help me on this now, we think we're blessed by what God does for us. And when God doesn't do what you ask him to do, then you don't equate that as being blessed. I know somebody here know what I'm talking about because you, you think because God allowed you to get a new house that that's a blessing. But the transverse of that would be that if somebody doesn't get the bank loan for the house, that they're not being blessed. Both of them can be blessings from God, just in different contexts. Yeah, we're human. We wanna see something tangible that makes a difference to us, but we are also, those of us who are in the house of the Lord, we're spiritual beings. And we've got to learn how to look at things more maturely and deeper than just what our eyes see. So we have got to get to a place, Destiny, where we stop judging God based on the things that we have. Because by that standard, rich people are abundantly blessed and poor people are not. And you know by that standard, that's foolish. That, that's foolishness. Prayer, watch this, is not about getting what you want from God. Prayer is about getting what God wants from you. That's what prayer is about. Prayer is me aligning me with what he wants. not the other way around. We keep trying to move God to our place and make him bless us with what we want as opposed to lining our world up. Come on now, y'all got to hear me. Because God is God, God doesn't need anything from us. I hope you know that already. No, 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 no. All you got to do is read Psalm 50. He gives us a little insight. God says that if even if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. God don't need us. God doesn't need us because there's nothing you can do for me. He said, remember now, I still own the cattle on a thousand hills. There's nothing you can do for me. God doesn't need anything from us. And Craig Pullum said it like this. He said, because God is self-existent, he really doesn't need our faith. Watch this now. Because God is holy, he doesn't need our moral support. Because God is sovereign, he doesn't need our permission. Because God owns everything, he certainly doesn't need our money. Because he's everywhere at the same time, he doesn't need our company. Because he is all-knowing, he doesn't need our advice. Because he's all-powerful, he doesn't need our hope either. No, 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 no. 
God doesn't need anything from us. God doesn't need anything from us, but there's something God wants from us. Hear me now, God doesn't need anything from us, but God wants something from us. What he wants from us is more important than what we want from him. What he wants from us is more important than what we want from him because we'll sell ourselves for something tangible that will rot. But he wants something from us. So prayer is not about stuff. Prayer is about relationship and a connection to God. God wants my allegiance, my affection, my attention. He wants my appreciation. And can I step out there and say this? And he deserves it. And he deserves it. How, how do I know that God wants relationship to you? Because in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, it tells us he wants relationship. Yeah. Because he said, if my people will humble themselves, relationship. Jeremiah 29 and 11, he said, for I know I have the plan. I know the plans I have for you. I got plans to give you hope and a future. But, but not just verse 11, but verse 12 says, and when I do that, then you'll seek me and you'll find me and you'll search for me with all your heart. God wants relationship from us. Psalm 91 proclaims that if you call on me, I will answer. He wants relationship from us. The very thing we deny him is relationship. We use him like an ATM and not like a friend. You can't equate activity with blessing. Watch this now. Watch this. In this Psalm 22, David calls him my God, my God. In the original translation, he calls him Elohim which means deliverer. So he's saying, God, I'm struggling right now because even though you're Elohim, you're not living up to the nature of your name right now. I am struggling and you're not delivering me from what I'm in right now. Why am I still struggling? Anybody else? Say that you've been calling on the name of the Lord. Yeah, you've been calling on Jehovah Jireh and yet he hasn't been providing for you. Like you think he ought to. Why? Because you're looking at things. Been calling on Jehovah Rosa. But yet you still got these doctor's appointments you got to go to. Why? He's not living up, in your opinion, to being the healer that he says he is. And then you say, my life is a jumble right now. It's messed up. But I've been calling on Jehovah Shalom, and I still can't find no peace in my life. You're saying the same thing that David is saying to him in Psalm 22. Some of us just got to be honest with ourselves and say, I'm disappointed in my relationship with the Lord right now. I'm struggling right now, which is why I'm feeling all by myself. I'm feeling alone. And it's dangerous when you feel alone. I'll tell you why it's dangerous. It's dangerous when you feel alone and when you feel, as the psalmist wrote, forsaken. Because when you feel that way, because you're human, you're still looking for something. You're still looking. I'm human. I feel by myself. 
I feel forsaken. And when you feel forsaken, that's when the flesh starts filling in the gaps. And that's when the enemy starts taking advantage of what's going on because you feel something and you want to find something to feel the need of what you're feeling. And, and the enemy goes crazy on that. It's dangerous when you don't straighten out this ignoring thing from God. It's dangerous because if you don't fix it, the devil and the flesh will fill up your life with things that are dangerous for you. That can be in the form of substance. That can be in the form of people who are not good for you. You'll go back to doing things that you never thought you'd go back to do, all because you're trying to get the right feeling so you don't feel like you're by yourself. But I came to tell you right now, if you got a relationship with him, you're not alone. So somebody say, Reverend Sparks, help me right now. When I feel by myself and I feel like God's ignoring me, how do I prevent that from continuing to happen? How do I keep my sanity when I'm in the middle of feeling like my world has exploded? What do I need to do? I'm glad somebody asked me that back there on that back pew. Sit down now. We got to tell you there's a formula for dealing with this circumstance. You're not alone. How do I know that? Because David gave us an example of what needs to happen right here in this song he wrote. Can you see him sitting back somewhere, probably hiding in a cave somewhere, quill in hand, emotions falling down on paper like liquid. He's struggling. You think crying was any different for David than it is for us? You think the feeling of aloneness was any different for David than it is for us right now? You think the feeling of abandonment and forsakenness was any different for him than it is for us right now? He had the same feeling, but the first thing he said we need to do is you've got to learn how to rehearse God's character and not your context. All right. Walk that down for me, Reverend Sparks. Learn how to rehearse God's character and not rehearse your context. Watch this. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from my deliverance? My God, I call all on you all day, but you don't answer. And I at night, but I get no rest. And then there's an emotional change in the song. When you get to verse three, the next word is but. 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 Can I step back at the Jackson Elementary School right now? Actually, this probably would have been West End High School. But is a conjunction. All right. But it's a contravening conjunction. Contra meaning against, which means the but negates what came before it and makes what comes after it more powerful than what comes before it. It's a conjunction. Y'all remember conjunctions? Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Y'all remember that? Hooking up, that's right, that's right. Yeah, I don't know about you, but but is so powerful that but in this context 
gets rid of everything that was before the butt. Not that it's not there anymore, but what comes after the butt is more powerful than what was before the butt. You need to hear me today. I'm so glad in my life I got a butt going on sometimes. I'm so thankful that butt stepped into my life sometime because butt, butt allows the power of God to prevail in my life. Yeah, I'm so glad that butt stepped onto my doorstep one day. It doesn't have the power to stop what happened, but it can make it subordinate. Because I know, see, I'm crying. Look, this is what he said. He said, I'm crying during the day. I can't sleep at night. That's my context. Somebody out there is going through this right now. That's my context. I'm crying all day, and I can't sleep at night. But in spite of the context and in spite of what I'm feeling, what I know about my God can counteract, reverse, cancel, deny, refute what I feel about my current situation. I know it looks raggedy, but God, you're holy. And because you're holy, I believe that even though I can't understand what's happening right now, you're still in charge of my circumstances. And so it doesn't matter what I'm feeling. You got this. But I got to be mature enough to understand that. Watch this, watch this, watch this. He says, but you're holy. I feel forsaken. I feel like you're not listening to me. This is David now. I feel like I'm crying all day and can't sleep at night, but you're holy. And since you're holy, that's powerful enough for me to keep my sanity. That's powerful enough for me to be okay until the day comes that you deliver me from this circumstance I find myself in. See, the reason why some of us can't get no better is because instead of, instead of us rehearsing the character of God, we simply keep rehearsing our current context. How do I know that? Because all you do is get on the phone with people. And all you do is go over what you're going through. That's all. Over and over all day. You talk to folk who cannot help you get out of that situation. You go through it over and over again. You go through every word, every problem with folk who can't help you solve your problem. You refuse to stop talking about how miserable you are. You refuse to stop talking about what somebody did to you. You refuse to stop telling other folk how bad they make you feel. All you do, like you're working on a play, is rehearse how bad you are. You're an expert at your own misery. But he's holy. But God is holy. And you've forgotten how to deal with his context, I mean, with his character, because you're so stuck on your own context. You're not the first one to go through troubled times. Think about how many people have read Psalm 22 since David had courage enough to put it on paper. When I say to God, you're holy, 
what I'm saying is the beauty of who you are, God, the wonder of who you are needs to come into my current situation. I'm ready to put my wonderful God in my awful situation and see what my wonderful God can do in this context. Y'all don't hear me. I need to stop putting only my perspective in it and see what God is trying to do under these circumstances. When I keep rehearsing you're holy as opposed to I'm miserable, before long, I start seeing God in my situation. Hear me now. You, you don't hear me. Yeah, when I start putting God into my situation, as opposed to just rehearsing how miserable I am, then before long, I start seeing God in my situation. Even though it's raggedy, I start seeing God's got me here for a reason. Yeah, God's got me here for a season. God's preparing me in this time. And before long, I'll start see, seeing that God is going to see me through this. And if I keep rehearsing him in that context, Reg, then I'll know that I'll be praising God one day for even putting me through that situation. Y'all don't hear me. God loves me. And even when I'm going through tough times, it's not because he don't love me. And so I need to start rehearsing him in my current context. And then the second thing is we've got to learn how to prepare a place for him in our problem. Oh, yeah. Learn how to put God in your problem. Watch this. He said, but you're holy. And never miss what's behind that. Read the whole scripture. Read the whole scripture. He says, but you are holy. And then he says the next important word. He said, you inhabit the praises of Israel. You are enthroned on the praises of Israel. You're going to shout in a minute. God, you're holy. And you inhabit the praises of your people. Y'all don't hear me. I'm, I'm going to say it till you hear me. God, you're holy. And you're enthroned in the praises of your people. Come, come on now. Come, Lord, you're holy. Y'all not hearing me. And you inhabit the praises of your people. You take a central position in the praises of your people. When I praise you, you take a central position in my life. See, prayer that's connected to praise doesn't have anything to do with music doesn't have anything to do with clapping, doesn't have anything to do with jumping or shouting. No prayer that's connected to praise. You are holy. You are wonderful. You deserve the righteousness of your people. When I'm praying and praising him, he's in the middle of my situation. 
prayer and praise is when you start activating spiritual weapons so that God can bring all that he is into your current circumstance. When you know how to pray and you know how to praise, then you know how to invite God into your circumstance. And whenever you praise the name of God, he wants to come in and show himself, manifest himself to be who he is in your circumstance. Praise invites God and his rulership and authority into your life. That's what praise does. Now, now, now the problem with this is, and y'all gonna be mad at me when I say this, if praise invites God to come into my space, some of us need to clean up our space that we invite God into. Yeah, cause God ain't gonna come into just anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what does that mean? That means, that means, that means I need to clean myself up. That's where fasting comes in. And I'm not talking about physical fasting with food. Some of us need to do social media fasting before we start inviting God into our context because our life is raggedy. We need to fast. Some of us want God to clean up our money, but we need to do some fasting on our money on our stewardship before God can come in. There are a number of ways we can fast, but we need to, what is fasting? It's emptying myself, creating space for God to be able to come into my context. And I can't invite God into my context when it's full of other junk. I got to get rid of it. It's rough, tough in your Christian walk when you think that you can continue to sin and have praise in your house and peace in your home while you out there living ratchet. Yeah. How can you live as a gossiper and have devotional time? How can you speak blessings over people and keep cussing? How can you go crying out to God and then ignore your brother and sister when they're in need. How can you ask God to give you his best, but you forget to bring any of yourself to him to do anything? How in the world do you think God is going to live in that context? You need to clean up your situation and then invite God into your context and watch what he does. Watch what he does. Watch them. So I'm going to give you this and I'm out of here today. Learn how to find God in your negative. <laughs> Learn how to find God in your negative. So that whether he delivers me or not, I'm still going to praise him. Yeah, even if he don't, what the three boys say? Our God is able. And even if he doesn't deliver me, new thoughts on the Old Testament, even if he doesn't deliver me, it's not because he can't do it. Yeah, put that into your context. I'm in a tough situation right now. It's raggedy. I've been praying. I need to clean up what I'm offering you, Lord, and make sure that it's appropriate for a God like you to be in a, in a believer like me. Not because I deserve it, but because you deserve the praise. 
But even if you don't do it, I know it's not because you can't. Find God in your negative so that when you pray and praise, you can see how clearly God has changed your minus to a plus and can't nobody get the glory but God from it. I mean, think about it now. I'm going to put this on you. When David wrote this, he was suicidal. When he wrote this song, I'm forsaken. God is far from my deliverance. He's not hearing my prayer. I'm crying in the day. I can't sleep at night. You keep reading it. He says, I'm a worm. I'm not even a man. Everybody hates me. Everybody's talking about me. Not only are they talking about me, God, they talking about you too. But watch this, Reg. I love this. I love this. I love this, Anthony, in this, because people overlook this in this message. Despite what David is going through, despite what he's going through, even though he's dealing with all the negatives in his life, he's still got enough sense to turn to God. He still knows enough to turn to God. He hadn't run away from God. That's why God calls him a man after his own heart, no matter how raggedy his life got. He knew that the source of his supply was in God. You got a reason to talk to God and to praise him because the negative has not consumed you. I'm hurting, but I'm alive. I'm struggling, but I'm alive. I'm by myself physically, but God's kept me. I haven't gotten where I want to go, but God's blessing me. He still got my family with me. He still got my children with me. God is still good to me. Somebody today needs to know he's still keeping you and protecting you and sustaining you. He's still covering you, not letting it get the best of you. Keep on calling on his name. So start learning how to lift him up in the middle of your junk. <coughs> call his name. Call his name. Because when you call God into the middle of your situation, when you put him into your current situation, when he is present, demons can't handle it. No, no, when God's in the middle, the enemy can't derail your circumstance when God's in the middle. Haters can't hinder you when God's in the middle. People can't deny you things because God is in the middle. Lift him up. Don't wait till the battle is over. No, no, to start shouting. Start shouting right now. Give him all the blessing. Why? Because it's infectious. And if you want to start getting demons fleeing in your life, you start praying when you're in the negative. And when people start seeing you praying, Guess what? It's infectious. They'll start praying with you. And they say, well, look what she's going through. And if she got enough to pray under the circumstances that she's going through, I'm going to start praying with her. And I'm going to start praying for her. And before long, you praying and, and, and she praying. And somebody else is going to see it. And, and they're going to start praying too. And before long, the whole camp. Is going to start praying and the enemy can't stay around when all that praise is going on. Because he loves us. And that's why the songwriter said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name 
together. And why should we do it? We ought to do it because he loved us enough that even when we were raggedy and couldn't get back to him, he thought enough of us to send us away back to his throne room. He gave us a guide. The guide's name was Jesus. Jesus came and walked the pathway from heaven to earth and then back to heaven again. And all he asks us to do is to simply follow his example. And my question to you today is, have you tried Jesus? Do you know him? He told us that he would not leave us without a comforter. I love this. See, you're never alone. You're never alone. Jesus said, I'm going back to heaven, but I won't leave you alone. I'm going to leave somebody down here with you who's going to walk with you and talk with you and minister to you and instruct you. He's going to take care of you. And I got news for you. If you claim Jesus as your Savior, you're never alone because the Holy Spirit indwells you and takes care of you. Have you tried him? I'm inviting you to try him right now. May God bless you today is my prayer. Claim it. Pull him in. Use him. Praise him. Something about the name of Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Sweetest name I know. Oh, how I love the name Jesus. It's the sweetest. Sweetest name. Come on now.